Hello everybody, welcome once again. As we continue on in the study that we're doing in the New Testament, and uh, we've been working through it a week at a time, and actually it's been a couple of weeks since, uh, since I've been back up. Fran did one for us uh, not that long ago, and he did a little something different, and then we... Um, uh, amazingly, after meeting for year after year after year after year, I can't tell you how long we've met without missing a Wednesday. We missed two. Um, one for the new floor and one for the flood. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, it's good to be back and on track. So it's been a little while since we've um, been talking about that. We're in the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, we got here by studying first through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and we did John, then we did Luke, and then we did the book of Acts. And then coming out of the book of Acts, I said that I thought it would be fun to kind of take the books in the order that we believe that they were written, particularly starting with the letters that Paul wrote. And so we looked through First and Second Thessalonians, and now we moved into First Corinthians. This uh, first letter was written um, uh, uh, at the end of Paul's second missionary journey, and, and so um, in our studies we talked about what he was doing there. Uh, this letter was um, written to um, a young church in Corinth that was having some issues. And uh, Paul's in Ephesus while he writes this, we believe, and uh, the letter is uh, sparked by a, uh, um, a group of people that came from Chloe's household and, and also another delegation from Corinth that, that asked, uh, had some questions for Paul about what was happening. And Corinth was a, a very tricky place to live. Um, it was known for its really lax kind of morals in, in uh, the things that they did and, and the way that they operated. And so this caused lots of difficulties for the people who lived there. And uh, even though the church in Corinthian, uh, Corinthians was a, in Corinth, the Corinthians were, were uh, very gifted by the Spirit. Um, they had a lot of problems in their, that they weren't maturing. And um, maybe part of the problem was, you know, the environment they were in and, and that they had mistaken their giftedness, um, which comes from God, as somehow validating their sinfulness. And, they, and so they just hadn't matured in the process. And um, what they needed to understand, as we all need to understand, is that they, they couldn't, base their lives on their own sort of self-seeking, self-persevering uh, uh, persevering thought process, which had not yet been renewed by their maturing. And so they were looking at their Christian lives from a worldly viewpoint. And what happens is, and what Paul's been talking about, is that um, the, the message of the cross cuts to the, the heart of self-centeredness. It's supposed to. It's not all about me. It's not all about what I do. It's not about the gifts that God has given me. It's all about him. It's all about what he can do. And it's about how the gifts that he does uh, give me can be used for others. See, that's the difference in what's supposed to happen. And that comes with maturity, which is something that the believers are supposed to, to, to do. Uh, you know, the, the, the life of a Christian, um, uh, as, as Jesus led it, we, we know um, his life led to humiliation and death, but ultimately to everlasting life. And that, that you know, the process is putting away our worldliness and, and focusing in on who Jesus is and what that looks like and dealing with our selfishness, which is what we talk about all the time, and learning to be more self 
less. And the message of the cross that we talked about already um, demonstrates that, that we can't bridge the, the, the chasm of sin, and we talked about that a lot last couple of weeks, on our own. We're just never going to be good enough. We need Jesus uh, to do that for us. And, and then we talked about salvation a little bit uh, in our previous studies and, and how that involved Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the blessings of salvation prepared by the Father, carried out by the Son, and applied by the Spirit. That was part of what we looked at in the second chapter. And so we're in tonight, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. It's fairly short, 23 verses. I want to read them to you and then make a few points, um, and then we'll have a little time for prayer together before we... Uh, we dismiss for the evening. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and following. It says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men. What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants, through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hair, straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So, like I said, Paul is writing in response to problems, and one of the big problems has been divisions in the church based on who they said they were following. Some said we're following Paul, and some said we follow Apollos, and some said they were following Cephas, and, and uh, uh, Peter, you know, and, and so on and on, and so it was causing problems in the church. And this is one of the problems. They had numerous problems. We'll get into more as we continue on in the letter. But this is the one that Paul is dealing with right now. And so he's He's made his introduction. He's talked about the cross, which again is the foundation of, of everything. And now he's digging into this a little bit deeper, this, this division that they're having based on who they, they say they're following. 
And so um, Paul, you know, being Paul, jumps right into it. And, and uh, he's, uh, I like Paul because, uh, you know, he's very encouraging all the time, even in dealing with people's issues, because he gets that everybody's got issues. And so he's, he, he really starts by encouraging them all. And, you know, these, these are the things, guys, you're doing good. He does that almost all the time. And now, but we, these are things that we just can't leave alone. We've got to work on. And especially since they've come up, now we need to deal with them. And so he starts to deal with divisions in the church. In the first four verses, um, he talks about th- this concept of milk and giving them milk uh, in the process. I want to talk about that for a minute. So I hear people throw that around sometimes in terminology, and I'm not sure that we, we really understand. See, to me, what he's talking about is that when he was working with them as brand new Christians, his primary discussions with them were the cross and then the blessings that we receive in Christ, um, because that's what we talk about in the beginning. That's the, how cool it is to be in the kingdom of God. That's, it is. It's the coolest thing going. I, you, know, you hear me say that stuff all the time. It's the best deal in the universe. And that this is the neatest way to do it. And, and then, you know, um, that, that, that's the, the heart of where we come in the process. But as believers mature, as they grow in the faith, um, they need to understand that there needs to be some response on their part to the, uh, to the revelation of God. Um, that uh, we're not working for anything, we're not earning anything, we're not performing, that's not what I'm talking about. But as we realize the amazing love that God has for us and the lengths that he's gone to to, to love us in the cross, what we need to start realizing that our response then needs to be, well, God, what is it that, that I can do in this life? You've given me life now. How should I live it before you? We talk about that all the time here. We call it living by doing the next right thing. It's as simple as I know how to make it. Um, but it's a very deep thing. Even though it sounds simple, that's, to me, that's the heart of it. It's, okay, God, you've, you've done this for me. You've saved me. You're my Savior, and that's, that's in there. Um, and, and now as we grow in him, it's about realizing that, that he's our, the Lord and that, that the, the reality of our lives is we've been given this amazing gift and, and our response then is, how do you want me to live? And, and basically, believers, we, we should spend every day kind of reporting in for duty. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, that's what life should be like. And, and that as we do that, that's where life is found. The longer we hang out not doing that and, and sort of just resting in the, how cool it is to be saved and I'm still going to go off and do my own thing, we, we don't get to experience the life that God has for it because we've talked about this. It's found in serving and doing the next right thing. See, it's, this is all part of the process. And so the, the, the bottom line uh, is, is, is living by doing the next right thing. It's about loving God and loving others extravagantly. This is stuff that we've talked about all the time. And as we begin to live life that way, that's when we begin to get the solid food that Paul was talking about in God. It's not that you just keep studying and studying and studying. I don't think that's where you get it. Um, I had a friend uh, uh, who used to say, the, the meat is in the street. And... Uh, he was a Christian, and he meant that that's, you know, I always thought that he meant, you know, that's where, we, that's where we go out and minister. But over time, I realized that the meat of God's word is found as we start to live our lives for him. And that's when it all begins to make sense. That's when, that's when the, 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 the stuff that you can hear over and over and over again finally begins to take root as you do it. So you can hear it. You can study it. You can learn it. You can do all this thing. Until you do it, it doesn't, it doesn't impact you the way it should. To me, that's when it goes from milk to food. When you, all of a sudden, it kicks in and you go, oh, okay. 
and you start to experience life the way God intended it. And so this process takes place. But see, that's, in all of us, it's, it's about maturing in, in the Lord. And we're all in that process. None of us has fully arrived yet. And so as we move into the life he's called us to, which he demonstrated, remember at the Last Supper, a life of serving him and others, he takes care of us and, and all sorts of things begin to open up and make sense in our lives. And things that we struggle with and things that we worry about and, and, and uh, things that we sort of get all strange about, he lets us know that they're really not all that important and that we've taken a lot of time stressing over things that just really don't matter and have kept us from experience in life. We, we get to that point where we finally hopefully realize that, that you know, that, that life isn't something that we, we, we have way off in the distance. It's supposed to be happening now. And that if we're, we're saying, oh, I'm, you know, when this happens and then when this happens and when this happens, then I'm going to be happy. We miss what life is really about. You can't find it in those things. You find it in doing what you're called to do and growing in that. But the Corinthians weren't uh, demonstrating this maturity of character and, and Paul said their problem was they were still worldly and self-centered. And that's, that's what we all deal with. At the, the level of our worldliness and self-centeredness is where we're stuck in our walk. And it's making that shift. All right, then he goes on in verses 5 through 9. Uh, and he says, so this, this, this worldliness and this self-centeredness is causing them, which really makes sense, to focus on men instead of God. See, that's what happens. You, you, you start thinking about what men are doing instead of what God is doing behind it. And, and rather than realizing, Paul says, that the people of God that have shown up there have been sent by God and they're all servants of God and they, they all have the same mission, just, it just looks differently, um, that, that, and it's God that should get the credit for anything that happens. Not Paul, not Apollos, not Cephas, not anything else. It was God using them because they were just there living the life that he'd called them to live. And so he said, you know, you're your focus is off, and that all these guys, Paul in Apollos, he's using that in particular, that thing were just fellow workers who belong to God and work for him in his field, which is the church. So he's saying, you know, he's starting to build his argument for what's happening there. They just this credit should all go to God. Verses 10 through 17, the metaphor that Paul is using from field shifts to a building. And, uh, um, and, and so Paul, at this point, and you've got to hold these verses in context here. He's now talking about the church as the building. And when he talks about them being the temple, did you, do you not know that you're the temple of the Spirit? He's talking about them corporately at that moment. All right, Other verses talk about them more individually, but he's talking about them corporately. The Spirit of God is in you. That's why the gifts manifest when you're in presence. But because of that, you need to be taken care of what's happening corporately, and you need to start discerning what's going on in the process. And so he says that he was used by God to build the foundation, and the foundation was the message of the cross. It was all about Jesus. That's the foundation that everything needs to be built on. And he says others would come along now, then build on it. But the, the Corinthians needed to be aware that there were different types of builders. Some of them were expert builders, some were unwise builders, and some were destructive builders. Still happens today. And we need to be aware of what's going on. And there were also different types of building materials, which you know, I would call different types of teachings. And those that came from God would last, and those that weren't from God would get burned up. And that, that was part of the process. And he says, you know, in that process, he, and he says, this isn't about your salvation now, but you know, he uses that verse that some of you would like escape, you know, I always get the thought that, you know, when people have used this thing for a long time, you know, I'm, I'm in, but I'm going to smell like smoke. 
because <laughs> he says it's like escaping through the flames. It's not the issue. You, as long as you know Jesus, it's not a salvation issue. It's, it's, a, it's a maturity issue. And, and who are you going to listen to? And, and are you going to listen to the, the, the solid teachings of the gospel, or are you going to be misled by worldly people teaching worldly concepts that want to take you in a different direction? And that's what has to happen. And, and that's, you know, what we have to be thinking about all the time. What direction are we going to go in and who are we going to follow? And uh, Paul closes the book in 1820 through 23 with a warning to those who are ministering there in the church and to the congregation as well that they need to evaluate their ministries um, not by the wisdom of the world um, because the wisdom of the world is a reflection of the mind of the evil one. We don't evaluate what's happening by that uh, because that's foolishness in God's sight. See, so, so we need to evaluate the things that God is doing by the Word of God and, and by, you know, the, the discernment that the Spirit of God gives us. And so Paul is saying here that ultimately he's made this whole argument to say you're boasting about the different ministers as worldly foolishness instead of understanding that your boasting should be in the Lord who's working through the people that are ministering to you. And that's how he deals with the bulk of that division in the process. So he's, he's kind of speaking right into the heart of that. And, you know, it's, it's perfectly good wisdom for today. Because it's the same thing. Where are we going to be uh, focused? And, and we can tell. You know, it's a neat thing to evaluate. If we're, if we're getting our eyes on, on men instead of God, it means we're, we're getting off track. Because it should always be about what God's doing. And our boasting should always be in the Lord and about what he's doing in and among us. And so that's enough from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 to, for tonight. We'll pick up next uh, week in chapter 4. And so you can read ahead and get ready for that. If you're watching by video or on television, thank you for watching. God bless you. If there's anything we can do, you can call or write us. Go to our website and we'll do whatever we can to, uh, to help you there. So um, we're going to close with prayer here.